0: So you uh, you might have guessed by our presentation uh presentation that Uh, we are looking at the Halloween franchise. Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. We had to start with a shout-out to uh, a movie that Eric and I love that uh, not everybody universally loves out of this Halloween franchise, and that is the Epic Halloween 3. If for no other reason than it is literally eight days until Halloween, it is October 23rd, the iconic opening date of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, just one of many Halloween-themed films we will be touching on this week. Eric, when you hear the dulcet tones of that theme song, what does it do for you? It always reminds me that since
1: the first Halloween, regardless of whether you love or hate different installments, every one that's come out since has disappointed people.
0: (laughs) So true. So So true. Well, as promised, we will be looking at Halloween 3, but we will get to that in a minute. The whole reason we kickstarted this is, Eric, did you know Halloween, the franchise, was over? I was told it ended on October 14th, although I know there's now some kind of uh, change.org petition to throw the film out and reshoot it, but... That's oh, since last Jedi, the
1: petitions and petitions and petitions.
0: Oh my. Like if you're not happy with the film, you just you go to change the org. and none of those have ever worked. Um but I guess it gives people a sense of peace. But we are talking about Halloween Ends, which was the end of the David Gordon Green trilogy. It did drop on October 14th both in theaters and on Peacock, and you know what? I'm actually pretty excited. Because Eric and I both saw this movie, and we have va- radically different opinions of the movie. And you know what, Eric? I'm going to let you go first. Can you Maybe. hear me? I can, indeed. All
1: right. <laughs> I'm going to not touch that anymore. Um, You want me to go first. Are you sure?
0: I mean... I've always heard if you can't say something nice, don't say something at all. And I don't really have the nice things to say.
1: So I uh, almost notoriously detest Halloween Kills. I thought that it was a movie that equal parts takes the franchise seriously and jokes about it and does not care about the consequences of things that happens in it. And just fell apart. And then I became enraged, if you've watched me on this film, not rated, over commentary from David Gordon Green, just completely missing the idea uh, that people dislike the movie because of its unsubtle smack you over the face, evil dies tonight. It's been 40 years repetition. And so Halloween ends. I was like. That was
0: definitely not the reason that people hated the movie.
1: No, no, no. He thought the reason people hated the movie was because the ending was unsatisfying. Like, oh, the ending left you wanting a resolution. And I was like...
0: We all knew there was going to be a trilogy, friend.
1: Yeah, there's so much else. Like, come on. And I... Poor guy. I can't imagine what it's like to have to cycle through these high-profile franchise, you know, publicity crawls and whatnot. I get that that's rough, but just say... I don't know. We'll see what happens. Ah, people like what they like. Just just let your work speak. Uh, whatever. Basically, the point is I, I went to go see Halloween Ends. And my expectations were like, let's wait for more just brutally violent Michael Myers. Maybe we'll get to like make some jokes with a couple of friends of mine, my wife and a friend, and just kind of, you know, pick apart and rant about something. Maybe that's gonna be the way we're entertained. And I gotta tell you, from the start the radio show, the tributing Halloween 3 opening title crawls, like, and a little bit of spoilers that I had had beforehand kind of cut my expectations at the knees. And the movie that I ended up watching, I, first I just didn't hate. So I'm just sitting here and I'm like, huh, I'm not like angry watching this. Interesting. And then... Uh, I just one, two or three things happened and I just really got behind the characters that were there. And once that happened and I just kind of embraced that the rest of the movie was going to be what it was going to be. Cause you can kind of really tell what's going to happen after about the first third of the movie being over. You can kind of tell what the main beats of the story are going to be. I just watched it happen. And after that, the only time that I was not upset, are we talking spoilers?
0: Yes, I think so. Yeah,
1: we're talking about Only time after that. People that I can watch like, the
0: movie for free. They don't even have to go to a theater, so.
1: The only time, yeah, yeah. The only time I was upset after that, really upset, was Jamie Lee Curtis decides not to just stab Michael over and over and over and over again, <laughs> okay? I know she's a human. He's evil. You got to separate the two of them. I get it. And what they did was very, I think, right- I liked what they did with the ending. But that's the thing. I started piecing these things together. I was like, wow, this has been very quiet. Wow, I've really been okay with the characters. Wow, I I do not mind what's happening here. And then the ending was thoughtful. This, that, and there was thoughtful. They're still smacking you all over the face with all of their unsubtle sort of what is evil stuff. But ultimately, I realized that I had enjoyed the mood and the atmosphere the entire time. And I didn't have to deal with all of like the the intensity and like the 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 momentum that had been built up from kills and I just had had a really good time watching this and then the more I've sit on it and the more I've watched it and I've rewatched it once, I I almost love the movie. One thumb
0: up. <laughs> you almost love love the movie. I I will cop to you, I didn't care for Halloween Kills either. I don't know what they were doing, but it definitely didn't work. I would say sidelining Laurie for a bulk of the second and third film in the trilogy was a choice. Um, You know, she's barely a supporting character in in Halloween Kills. Go ahead.
1: Weird parallel here. Laurie's journey is... Michael's coming into town, and she has to protect the kids in Haddonfield. She spends the entire second movie in a hospital, unable to really help, and then the entire third movie is not about her or Michael. (laughs) It's about...
0: (laughs) Yeah, and so, I get the the maybe homage to Halloween 3, and if they would have just... So, like... First of all, I don't know whether it was him or... The marketing department but it was entirely built up to be the the climactic showdown and if you watched any kind of trailer or marketing for halloween ends now i know why they were all so short because they didn't really have anything to to build into that if they would have made a it's almost the same footage over and over and over again because they had like 10 minutes to work with <laughs> if they i almost might have respected it more if there was a there was a point in time in there where i thought they were going to try to say that michael myers actually died from his wounds and this guy just like found his mask and was in, and had like taken on that mantle because he was put upon i almost would have respected that more i still wouldn't have enjoyed it but i probably would have respected it more yeah, you would have respected that more, too. Uh, you know, I guess it was somewhat satisfying that Michael got fed through a wood chipper, um, symbolically saying we are definitely not coming back to this. That was Jamie Lee Curtis being like, I've done way more of these than I ever anticipated, and I'm all the way out um tonally it was it was all over the place i guess the biggest problem for me is i cared not one whit for Corey and his storyline and i don't know what they were doing with Lori's granddaughter who had like you know what was that famous uh, uh like patty Hurst syndrome going on or something like she had been kidnapped by this guy and then just fallen for everything. I know, I'm sorry, I pulled out a really timely reference from the 70s. But hey, this film franchise dates back to the 70s. So I just none of it worked. And then you get to this kind of anticlimactic uh, third act, um, you know, their showdown, which almost... I couldn't, you know, it starts out with her having a showdown with Corey. And that's where I thought, oh, they must actually, they are actually doing this. He is, because up to that point, Michael hadn't really done anything. And you couldn't tell if Michael was just like a sewer figment of his imagination. And then he comes out and you're like, oh, no, I guess Michael's not too, not too happy with somebody taking his thing. I ended up giving it two thumbs down. I will, I gave it one star it was just not my th- my thing i think it didn't know what kind of movie it wanted to be and had it been one movie or the other it might have salvaged itself but since it rode this weird hybrid between both i didn't care for any of what they were putting down i also i've mentioned this in many times before i think we'll touch on it in a minute when we look at the original but the greatness of halloween was this idea that Michael is kind of a supernatural evil that is unexplainable killing machine that just goes out. And anytime you've seen <clears throat> films in the franchise attempt to provide some kind of psychological explanation for the nature of evil or for how these kind of killers get created. I mean, that was probably my biggest nitpick with Rob Zombie's take on it, is he just wanted to totally psychologically deconstruct the idea of what makes a killer. And they almost really verge into that with Corey's journey. And I I don't know if part of it was my expectation of what the movie was going to be, and I was trying to figure out why we were spending so much time with this, you know, milk toast white guy who was picked on that I never really was able to sink into his story and figure out what they were doing, but it just didn't, it didn't work for me. And it's ostensibly not what I'm looking for.
1: I want to say real quick, I respect that opinion because you're coming from a place that I'm not seeing with a lot of other reviewers where it's, it's the content and quality of what you watched and the merits of the performances and things that pull you one way or another. I think over time, time is going to reflect on this movie's, like, like value. Because everything that you're saying, it rings true to me, but it rings true in a way that, you know, Michael Myers gets to be what he is. We see the reflection of him off of this toast white guy. And it's funny to me that, like, you mentioned that. I was talking with a friend that, like, I I think there's something so poetic about it being a babysitter. And I feel like maybe in the writer's room, the idea was for this to be a female. But I think the idea of pitching a Halloween movie where a female became Michael Myers, there were just too many hurdles (laughs) for people to approve that.
0: Well, and then they decided they wanted to, to like, throw some unnecessary romance because you not only have, uh, you know lori's granddaughter and him but you also have lori and the sheriff which i'm like i'm not into their meet cute in the in the grocery store i don't know what you're doing
1: well that is one of the things i will give to kills is they do have history it's like the question since 2018 it's like oh were they a thing kills yes they were a thing and then ends can they be a thing or is she wrecked forever and that's kind of the thoughtful thing about what works in these movies i feel like that's a leftover from 2018, but that's kind of the hard part. Everything good about this is kind of leftovers from 2018.
0: That's the whole thing though, too. If they wanted to do some kind of psychological exploration, I almost would have bought into, you get brief glimpses of where Lori is trying to go a different way and be a positive person. And the people in the town who suffered Largely blame her and you get like that one sequitur outside of a grocery store, but you don't really come back to it except for apparently all is forgiven because she's taking the body and throwing it in a wood chipper at the end. But there were... There were threads that you could have potentially built on, but they introduced a ton of these threads. And it's almost, you know, Alan Sepinwall is a critic I like, and he was talking about House of the Dragon, and there was so much potential, but the characters that had potential weren't the ones that the writers have chosen to focus on, which is why I don't like the season. And I sort of felt that way. But that struck me a lot about Halloween ends. You have a bunch of different things to get thrown out as potential and possibilities of how you could go and the ones that they chose to pour the most screen time and energy into were not the ones that i cared about especially given what i was told this movie was going to be don't have jamie lee curtis and michael myers on the poster if you intend to have them in five minutes of an hour and 50 minute movie
1: and and it's anyone like i can see the arguments out there that that's not michael myers on the poster get out of here with that that is
0: not like i mean it's been the same image for all three films so was it corey all you know is it like agatha all
1: (laughs) oh man what an amazing twist that would have been in the end the guy in the sewer was agatha all along oh
0: yeah, well, I think we belabored this one enough. I appreciate that we we saw it differently. I appreciate what you liked about it. It just for me it didn't work. And I wrestled back and forth, but I ultimately, you know, when we get to rankings, have kills just slightly higher because at least it's even though it's bad, it knows what it is. I mean it's bad. It knows it's bad, but Well, you know what? On to, uh, you can't talk about the Halloween franchise without talking about the one that started it all. Look at that young Jamie Lee Curtis there.
1: That is my favorite shot from the entire movie.
0: That was a pretty good one. So, you know, I'm not dismissing, as, as one of our fellow writers mentioned, Black Christmas. But I think if you were thinking about the modern slasher film, most people, you know, Halloween may not have been technically the first, uh, but it is the one that most people think of as really kind of creating this franchise and jump off. We saw Friday the 13th come after it. We saw Nightmare on Elm Street come after it. It kind of built this franchise model.
1: I think think no younger audiences are really going to disagree that yes, there was X-Men and Spider-Man, but in 2008, you got Iron Man and the Dark Knight, and that has been superhero movies ever since. This is the Iron Man and the Dark Knight of slashers.
0: I guess I'm old enough that I still. X Men was the. the I, no, I, I know. Excited. I know. But. I know.
1: But that's like, that would be the Black Christmas, you know? Like, you, you, Blade, maybe, if you want to throw that in, is the one people don't really think of. But,
0: but there was a lot. You know there's a lot to get into. I've always appreciated the the simplicity of the original. You know, you have Donald Pleasants kind of wandering around through the neighborhood, half the movie trying to f- find Michael, which always makes me laugh a little bit. Um, but, you know, you have the the basically the three friends, and this also started basically the formula for the original slashers. When I was in college, I I wrote about the evolution of slasher films, but this is one of the ones that really created that set of rules that scream. So famously kind of eviscerates when they rewrite the rules, you, you have these three friends. One of them is kind of the, the virginal babysitter who's actually watching the kids. Hang on. I'll be right back. I'm kidding. (laughs) We have the, you know, virginal babysitter who's actually watching the kids, you know, and then, her friends who are engaging in what you would consider, you know, untoward behavior. And they're the ones that get gotten, you know, we, we get a little bit of the backstory of Michael at the beginning. Um, But mostly he's kind of this faceless evil machine. You hear actually Dr. Loomis many times in this film say he's not a man. He's something other than a man. And it gives him this kind of supernatural presence and strength to the point where when Lori puts a knife into his neck, you're still not surprised that he comes back up. When Dr. Loomis empties an entire revolver into him, you're not surprised that he still comes back up because he isn't a guy. He's something else. He's this kind of killing machine. And to me, that always kind of cemented the film. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what John Carpenter originally intended for the Halloween franchise when we get to our next installment. But I have always had it up there among horror films for me. It's a classic. Um, I've always appreciated it. I, It's... I think an iconic film, yeah, of course, got to give it the, you got to give it the the thumbs up. And I think Jamie Lee Curtis does a great job. But it's now been forty four years, and it still remains wildly popular. What has been the enduring legacy for you, Eric? Obviously, you've gone through all thirteen of the films. I see like half of the collection there behind.
1: You. Um, sixteen films. I I have I sold you short leading up to this because. There are unrated cuts, uh, producer's cuts of the Rob Zombie 1 and 2. And then there are, sorry, unrated director's cuts of Rob Zombie 1 and 2. And then the producer's cut of 6. And I do have a version of a ranking that includes those. I'll just go ahead and and get out of the way for later. The theatrical Rob Zombie 1 is my absolute worst. And then, like, Rob Zombie 2 is, like, right above it. Um, But out of the way... We're not talking about that. We're talking about Halloween 1, which, of course, is a two thumbs up with an asterisk because, of course, I have to complicate things. So Halloween, I don't know why, because it's so telegraphed all over the movie. Maybe it's because growing up I could only see it on TV. But the kids are asking about the boogeyman the whole movie. Loomis is going on about the nature of evil and true evil and all these things all throughout the movie. (coughs) But in my head, I just, I just immediately thought, "Oh, he came from an insane asylum. He's crazy. How is he crazy? He has a wire crossed. Where when he gets horny, it's instead rage, and he wants to kill someone."
0: Which I mean, sort of could be, could be fair. Why, why, uh, why that first happened with his sister is uh, well, maybe it is a Game of Thrones kind of thing. He's the original <laughs> Lannister. You know,
1: it's weird. He sort of, he starts breathing harder when people are getting, it's, I, it's it's not. I 100% read the movie as an adult the way you're talking about, but it's just, it's funny how watching this again now, and these, these 4Ks are absolutely amazing, by the way. If you want to have a really immersive ex- experience watching these, Shout Factory always does a job taking the original film reprinting from the film to scan them and it it, like that shot you showed of of Michael Myers coming out of the dark he like sinks out of like inky lights off black it is one of the most haunting things that's effective and that's the thing Halloween the opening great little dated but great that that first half of the second act a lot of long takes, a lot of walking, a lot of a little bit of tension building. But if you already know what's happening in the movie, maybe
0: that's where Aaron Sorkin got the walking talks from.
1: They, yeah, this is it. Canon. That's the thing. <laughs> I also love that when Red Leader Media points out, like around when he's hiding behind the bushes, you can see smoke in the screen because John Carpenter's off camera, like chain smoking. But, um,
0: <laughs> well, and, he, and people forget he made this on a shoestring budget. Yeah, I also, oh my gosh,
1: they literally. Know, the, the the leaves that you see because it was summer are painted brown. They had like 200 leaves. They had like two or three trash bags of leaves, dumped them, and had to go collect them all before any wind blew them away in order to make it feel like fall. Um, but it's that that midpoint of Act 2 where people are starting to die and tension is really ramping up up until really the things that happen with Lori Strode are paced masterfully. Yeah, there is dread, like seeping from it. The score, oh my gosh! Why is it so comforting to listen to a score that makes you that's- feel like you're going to be
0: murdered? So, first of all, I looked it up. The budget for this film was three hundred thousand dollars. I don't, I don't even know if they should The budget
1: for <laughs> Green Lantern in twenty eleven was three hundred million.
0: Yeah. So you don't get what you pay for, unfortunately. But that's. <laughs> we've looked at a couple of classic uh, 70s films now in our episodes jaws and this one you know there's so many when people talk about score is okay score really matters it can set the tone halloween that halloween score you can hear two notes of it and know what it is and it's been 40 years and it's still sets and- the tone for something unsettling happening
1: and just th- something brilliant about the dialogue that I think people keep trying to do and keep not sticking the landing is that idea that Lori has sunk into such fear that she is he she has become sort of a child at that moment where she asks, was that the boogeyman? And it's like, that just tells you the impact that he had. Now he's nowhere. The ending is one of the all-time best endings of movies.
0: So yeah. My favorite fun fact though, Do you know how many days they said it took to write the screenplay?
1: I know it took like two weeks for the second one. I don't know how long for this one.
0: John Carpenter said it took approximately 10 days. Totally. I mean, this was the definition of a shoestring. But you know what? He had a vision for what he wanted it to be. And that's, you know, we'll turn the corner here as we get to the last individual film uh, that we're going to look at, which is Halloween 3. And a lot of people do not – a lot of people that really dislike Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, do not understand – what is happening? I and mean, then you don't understand Carpenter's original vision. John Carpenter's idea, and he made tons of these kind of low-budget horror action films. His original idea was that Halloween was going to be an anthology franchise set in and around Halloween day. It was going to have a completely different story and cast every time around. The original Halloween, made for $300,000, grossed $70 million. So they were like, you got to make us a sequel. So he went ahead. And they did Halloween 2, you know, worked on the script. But with Halloween 3, he wanted to get back to that original concept. And you think of how prevalent these anthology ideas are now. Like Ryan Murphy has made his entire career off of a horror anthology. I think John Carpenter was ahead of his time in some ways. And in 1982... We got Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which is so disconnected from the world of Michael Myers that you literally have characters in this film watching the film Halloween on TV. It is about some kind of creepy Celtics. You have Stonehenge. You have Halloween masks that are getting sent out that are going to kill all your children. It's brilliant. It's completely campy. It is a 180 degree turn from the original Halloween, and I love it, but not as much as you.
1: Oh yeah? It's lower. I I didn't I forgot where it is on your ranking. I guess we're I mean, I have
0: it up one. there, but I um, it looks like you had it a little bit higher. See,
1: when it comes to like Halloween movies, I like I don't I don't separate them from movies at large, but you know, I just I'm just going to not try and justify this, right? Halloween Halloween 1, I love the idea of thinking about it as a standalone movie. It is so hard to separate my brain from the events of 2 or H2O or any of the sequels, Jamie Lloyd sequels and whatnot, which I like those too. Yeah, and this movie... I, I got with I had I had one of the best experiences and like get ready to get jealous because I cannot believe this still happens in this day and age. My wife did not know this wasn't a Michael Myers movie. I watched it with her and I told her early on this is uh, uh like this is the one without Michael Myers and she was like there's one without Michael Myers? And I was like oh get ready. Oh well, it's
0: not really without Michael Myers cuz it's on well, TV. Right.
1: Yeah, and um I will say The things that punch this up for me is the absurdity. Like, it's it's so absurd that I I adore every bit of it. Why does everyone want to bang Tom Atkins? What is the director and writer's obsession with having everyone want to bang Tom Atkins?
0: I don't get it. Do we have any evidence that he's actually good at his job? Yeah,
1: he just up
0: and leaves.
1: He's like, oh, like, well, this woman's attractive. He's like a deadbeat
0: father. yeah drinker he's chain smoking the entire time
1: yeah and like i did his wife uh who plays annie in the original like her kids are watching the movie i wonder what it was like for her to watch it and like see that actress just kind of you know (laughs) um oh goodness gracious he just dips and goes off to go handle this issue that he understands nothing about it's so bizarre and The sets and everything are just kind of, like, you can tell, like, when they're in the factory that it was a warehouse and there's a factory set in the middle. And I don't know how.
0: I like how they don't even bother to explain how they would have stolen one of the pieces of Stonehenge. Yeah. Well, I mean. How'd you get it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, we replaced it with a foam rock. Nobody knows because no one else will touch it. There you go. No,
0: because they have on the news that uh, one of the stones is missing from Stonehenge. Everyone knows it's missing. But
1: an opening scene where a kid falls on a piece of Stonehenge and they find out it's been stolen and replaced with styrofoam would be so on point here. And like, I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, this movie just goes all out with what it is because they were fighting for this concept. The studio had even less faith in this than the you know, first Halloween. And heck, Halloween has always had trouble. You know, like it's, it's. I think even the first Halloween was such a slow row getting to role getting to have the reputation that it had. And now they're like, nope, let's shoot that reputation again because we are committed to this idea. And after that, you know, they kind of got steamrolled and that the rest of history happened. But it's just, the masks are iconic. The uh, The music, that theme that that you all heard. Silver
0: shamrock.
1: (laughs) It's just as annoying as it is, like, exciting to hear it and know that it's being referenced somewhere. Uh, And, like, I honestly believe that Halloween 3, even up to date, may have the best gore special effects and physical effects across the whole franchise. Like, that bit where a guy's nose is grabbed is one of the most, like, skull-itching. That noise that they make and the way that it crunches, like, gives me the willies. Like, it, it, so much stuff. My my wife's whole experience with this is, what the hell am I watching? Over and over again until it ended.
0: Because so we talked about the original Halloween. They had a budget of three hundred thousand. Do you know what the budget was for? I want to know so bad. Two and a half million. Oh, so it's like you take
1: the same. Oh, they
0: yeah. they call it. You know, they it's considered somewhat of a failure because it didn't make the money that the other two did. But it still made fourteen point four million at the box office. So it's not like they lost money, right? but unfortunately it was kind of critically panned at the time and the audiences were like yes it audiences but see audiences see- probably justly uh felt about that movie the way I felt about Halloween. Halloween ends. ends. It's
1: happening. See, that's, that's the funny thing to me. And this is what makes me passionate as a film reviewer is when a movie comes out and I see a reaction like Halloween ends. That's why I said, I respect your opinion because it's grounded in the details that a film reviewer, like, I think you can probably trust your gut. Based on what you're saying with Halloween ends, but so many people are picking out like you can't do this with Michael Myers. That's a rule. They broke the rule, so it's bad. And like, every, so many people are doing this. I'm like, do you guys not remember? Is there no lesson of history here? Like, the movie intentionally is like, hey, remember Halloween three in the opening credits, and it's it's sort of, huh, and um, yeah. I I it's so 3 is another full two thumbs up for me just because where it lacks in a sort of uh atmospheric grounded actual feelings of horror it makes up for it in just being bonkers
0: yeah i mean it's it's wild it's it's unexpected i mean you're you're like the ancient celtics trying to create some kind of like blood moon festival using stonehenge you just don't you don't see it coming you're right though tom Atkins, his character is just i mean in any other film he'd probably be the definition of a loser but it works the whole the whole thing works the the score works i like the opening credits i like the kind of way it ends i wish i would just wish we could have we could know what john carpenter would have done if he had gotten to keep this anthology going because you got to imagine that he had more ideas the music it would, have, would have
1: continued to be like a banger like people would have collected yeah. the vinyl of all of the music from all of them because it would have been unique fresh engaging and it would have it would have another told its gift, own
0: story like another gift he gives to everything well, we've we've referenced uh, looking at these kind of three films out of the franchise. I think we before we wanted to go, we wanted to look at our rankings. So, Eric, I will put yours up first and let you start going through your definitive Halloween franchise rankings.
1: All right, I'm going to keep this brief because this is real weird and out of my wheelhouse to do this. All right, so you got Halloween 1, followed immediately by Halloween 3. I'm going to watch those two back-to-back because 3 saves 1 to me from feeling too attached to other things, so I can enjoy it as a standalone. But then... Halloween 2018 is a movie that is a showcase for the entire franchise you got the Halloween three masks you got the one take shot from Halloween 2 you got a plot with the police getting on board that's similar to Halloween 4 you' got uh some you've got references to h2o with the bathroom scene you've got references to... Uh, I mean, I know they straight up said they wanted to reference every movie that had come before, and some of them are less which is ironic than since
0: they also want you uh, with the plot of Halloween 2018 to pretend like none of the other films happen.
1: I know, and then but that's the thing that works about it though is they come back, they rebuild Michael as a terrifying thing, even though he's a sixty-year-old man, and just the reversal of the ending, like the 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 mirrors that could have just come off as a gimmick. Just plain, just works for me. So then I got to go straight up at number four with Halloween ends. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's something about the atmosphere. I really realized I wanted to rewatch it. So few movies that come out recently in the last couple of years. Am I like, I want to rewatch this just because I want to feel what it's feeling. You know, like, it's not the greatest movie of all time. It has significant issues. But as opposed to Kills, I'm... I'm comfortable in this environment and it feels like not a Halloween movie, but it feels like Halloween time. So that's, yeah, I got to, I got to see the graphic. I can't remember them. I'm sorry. So H2O immediately follows that. And in fact, might be a little bit better. I love Josh Hartnett. I think Laurie Strode gives an extremely powerful performance in that, partially because a part of her knew that that was going to be what she thought was her ending (laughs) to the franchise. And uh, there's a whole thing we could go on with what happened there and with Resurrections and whatnot, but another day. And Halloween 4, I think, is amazing, uh, well-lit. I love the the actress that played Jamie Lloyd. When a child actor can perform that well, I'm always stunned by it. And then the last movie that I would put on the like-to-watch-it side of things is the producer's cut of Halloween 6. Just because it tells a whole story, there are things that just are fractured and don't make sense in the theatrical cut. And even though the violence is up there a little bit, I wanted to include this one because this is the only director's cut I included in my ranking because it's so different. There's an entirely different. The last twenty to thirty minutes of the movie are all complete sequences that don't exist and were completely reshot in the other one. So like it's a it's it's only two thirds kind of the same movie, then a complete deviation. So on the bad side, rattling them off. Um. Oh no, I like Halloween too. Sorry, I do. It's okay. I, I like yep. I like it. I, it's it's basically like, we got to get on the slasher trend that we started. And so they up the violence there. And some of those special effects are a little bit like giallo film, like really bright red bloods and a little bit thoughtful in how they're doing the makeup and stuff like that. It works. I like that one. So Lie, that's actually the one on that side. So now you have to deal with the theatrical cut of Halloween 6 and just... The characters are are not as engaging apart from Paul Rudd, Loomis, and the lead actress, and those three you know almost save the movie for me. But then there's the producer's cut, so why? I love that one <laughs> shot of Paul Rudd trying to take out uh, the door lock, and he's losing his mind. But Halloween Kills is next, and I wanted to put it lower, but I gotta admit that the 1978 stuff. And, and some of the ideas in there just work better for me. So then Halloween 5, the movie that they literally you made as a placeholder because they were like, what are we going to do? They shoved the man in black in there and said, we'll explain it later. It literally has no drive and purpose. So, you know. Then Rob Zombie's Halloween. I specifically note the unrated producer's cut. Around the time I discovered that you can sneak and watch movies online, I watched it, and uh, a weird thing about this movie is that the version of this movie that leaked online was the unrated cut. So I had seen the movie, and when I started hearing people talk about seeing the movie, they described the beginning very differently, and I was very confused because I had liked the movie I'd seen as far as being like, I'm not old, I'm not like tight. uh, Well, not old. (laughs) I'm not old. That's awful. No, but like, you know, I'm it's 2007. I think I was like too young to appreciate what worked about Michael Myers. And so here I'm just watching this interesting movie where like a full half of the movie is just leading up to him being a killer and then the second half is a bunch of screaming. Then you have Halloween Resurrections or Resurrection, sorry, which And then you have Halloween 2, the theatrical cut, which No, I, I, if you can't say anything nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, oh man. All right, so I will dive into mine. I'm a, I'm a little less, I have a little fewer of them that I would actually consider um, that I like. So the original one, I, I've mentioned how much I enjoyed that. I was surprised by Halloween 2018. I liked that a lot. That was actually one of the more fun Theater going experiences I've had with a modern horror movie. Um, Very nostalgic, kind of going back in. You really felt the nostalgia of that. That was one of the reasons I liked H2O, which I have a third. I also thought it was kind of cool that Jamie Lee Curtis is in there with her mother, Janet Lee, who was in Psycho. Um, You know, those kind of cool nods. Those three I actually think are good films. I love Halloween 3 as we just mentioned. I wouldn't necessarily fight you that it's a good film. <laughs> All right, I know you're sad. Now. I I enjoy the heck out of it for what it is. I understand the people that think it's cheesy. I actually think there's nothing wrong with cheesy in a horror movie, but those you know, those kind of four distinguish themselves to me. Halloween 2, I don't mind Halloween 2. It reminds me a lot of what you get with Jaws 2. Where it was like, oh, this was so successful. We need to make a sequel. It's almost the same. We made a few. Like in Jaws 2, you're like, why do they not believe that Chief Brody, when he says there might be a killer shark? Why are they telling him this has never happened before? Why do they not believe, Dr. Loomis and Lori Strode, that this supernatural being might be out there to kill? They just had a killing spree. So I like that. Uh you and I ironically have uh four six five uh in the same way i've heard people talk about how they much they like chapter five i just i like nothing it um i guess you could make it a convincing i feel more strongly that four with the kind of return to michael myers is probably the best of those um second wave and um It's Daniel Harris who plays Jamie Lloyd, who actually then sadly makes an appearance uh, in the Rob Zombie Halloween because uh, for reasons surpassing understanding, she got cut out and recast in Halloween 6 um so then i have halloween kills and halloween ends i'm not i'll be honest i'm not wild about either of them halloween resurrection i don't think i've ever been so angry before we've actually gotten to the core of the movie i haven't even had time to process that buster rhymes is in the movie with how angry i am with the way they did i don't i someday i would like to see an in-depth interview with jamie lee curtis about why she even agreed to do that uh then oh go ahead
1: I'll make it real short and sweet. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis signed on H2O only under the condition that it is actually a conclusion to the movies. And it was one of those bait and switch things where after they got her on board, the contract ended up finalizing requiring that she come back for another one. So she tried to pull out of the movie and they made her a deal that she would get to say a little bit of what her role would be. And she said, I'll only come back for another one if you kill me. And she demanded they not tell her how they were going to keep Michael alive in H2O hmm. so that she could have her experience of H2O. So, anyway.
0: It's, it's horrible. And it, you know, shockingly isn't even just horrible because of Buster Rhymes. So, something. Um, I've mentioned my, my biggest qualm, but I have two qualms with Rob Zombie's Halloween. One, they are grotesquely violent. Um, it was during that era which you saw horror kind of shift into the torture porn kind of genre, and he really steers into that. That is his brand. Some of his original movies I've thought were more clever than others, but they are definitely all on that pretty violent, gross violent, and that is not really my thing. Um, that I'm pretty anti that. But I also... Spending a long time trying to psychologically deconstruct Michael Myers didn't really work for me. But it worked better than Halloween 2, which I will admit is the only film since I've been a film reviewer that I did not complete. I walked out in the theater, and I didn't even really feel bad about it. It was going so gross, and I was so put off by it. I went and took a bathroom break and came back for 10 minutes and I was like life's too short for this. And I went home and watched four Harry Potter movies as a palate cleanser, like back to back. I was like give me child Harry Potter. And if you know me, I'm not even a fan of child Harry Potter, but I was like give me child Harry Potter, give me a Charlie Brown Halloween special. I am not ready for this. So I included it last on my list, but
1: That just helped me add something to one of our future shows. Thank you for that.
0: (laughs) I, you know, I love to help you. So that is a a kind of our in-depth look at the Halloween franchise. One last question for you, Eric. I, I meant to ask this up top, but I think it's better that it comes here. Halloween ends has ends in the title. Now the 13th film to carry Halloween as a name. We all know it probably isn't going to end, but do you think it should? Uh, no, but the way that I'd like to see it
1: survive is not through continuing to circle the point of recapturing within the original. I-, I want people to go play with it. I want them to be honest in their marketing and let expectations be set. But, you know, I, I, I'm a little jaded about the whole machine of movies having to make more and more money. So I'm not the best when it comes to what it should be. Um, But I know that, you know, there's been a competing thing in marketing where Universal puts out posters and trailers and everything they can to make you feel like it's the showdown of the century between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. But most of the creative team have all been out and saying, like, no, we named it ends because this is the end of our story. There's no one assuming that you're going to take a property and go, you know what? We might make money off this in the future, but let's not. So, you know,
0: I would say after the some of the critical and commercial reception they might not be as opposed i i'm going to go the other way i think it's time for new stories new monsters new creative visions john carpenter you know it's fair to wonder would he have gotten to make his movies if he emerged in today's market because they don't let these new ideas come there you get a lot of these giant franchises we've seen 13 films over 44 years carry the name halloween and with the exception of season of the witch even though you see michael myers they've all been about michael myers i think we've seen every possible iteration of his story and that's where i even go back to in ends if you wanted to look at the nature of of Burgeoning evil, if they would have wanted to look at that, doing that with Corey, that might have worked if it was its own original film. I'm ready for to not see that mask anymore yeah. to to be I'm, over
1: it. I'm on board with that, but let me throw this at you. If for the last couple of years, studios had looked at the pool of movies being made. Okay, And I'm not saying that this is a great idea because you could end up in a Cloverfield territory and I don't want to go that way. And decided one of these movies we're working on, that's going to be the Halloween for this year. And embrace the anthology idea so that people could have, you know, your... Marvel Cinematic Universe, they don't even have to be connected, collection of movies. It's like, that was the Halloween of of this year. That was the Halloween of this year. And all of them basically have sort of like a collector's label of Halloween 2024, Halloween 2025. But the title is its own thing. Like if it was Smile this year, you know, or Barbarian, you would have just called it like Barbarian Halloween 2022, you know? Like I, I, I'm saying, like the idea of a Halloween movie being a staple, yes. But I 100% agree. Go do something and have fun. Don't don't stop trying to to discover why people will come back for Michael Myers more. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. But at least we have some classic films. I still enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. That will uh, wrap it up for us on this episode. We will be back in a few weeks looking at the future of Wakanda and Steven Spielberg's childhood, among other things. Until then, I guess we will see you at the movies.